Last week, we featured Martha Lumatete, Head of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation at Southwest in our Woman in Supply Chain series, and her story is one you do not want to miss. So inspiring, so much motivation, and so much great perspectives on technology, procurement, supply chain, how we can all collaborate, and so, so much more. Go and check out that episode. It's episode 127, wherever you subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain or under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. IANA is responding to the needs of the intermodal freight industry, and they are delivering. They have created a brand new program called The Business of Intermodal Continues. It's entirely online and will include educational webinars, virtual panel discussions, market updates, and industry leader interviews throughout the remainder of 2020. For more details, visit intermodal.org. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It has been a busy week last week. I I was just getting back from vacation and we had so many amazing things happening. We had our Woman in Supply Chain episode. We actually released a brand new mini-series partnered with SQA Services. You're not going to want to miss that one. It's called You Won't Believe What We've Seen. And last week's episode was called Mission Control. We're talking about aircraft. We're talking about aerospace and quality. What does quality mean to the supply chains in aircraft and aerospace? Go and check that out wherever you listen to our podcast. It is episode 128, and you're not going to want to miss that. So about a month ago, Let's Talk Supply Chain and Procurement Foundry partnered up with the team at Aptessa about manufacturing coming back online. Now what? The audience engagement was off the charts, and the audience really enjoyed the discussion around offshore versus nearshoring when it comes to operations and manufacturing. If you would like to see the replay, check out the live stream that is housed over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, plus our Facebook page as well. So I'm really glad they decided to come back, and now we're doing an episode on Let's Talk Supply Chain so we can chat more about their planning software. But first, let's get to the question of the week. So the question of the week was, what do the words diversity and inclusion mean to you? We had a lot of really great comments, a lot of great participation. So Matthew Chapa, I try to think of inclusion as a willingness to value someone else's opinion and thoughts as important and worth considering no matter what their background. Everyone has something which makes them unique, and that can lead to better outcomes by listening to their voice. Definitely, Matthew. Cindy Chow, I like the juxtaposition of the two dictionary definitions. To me, it means celebrating our differences, which is diversity, but everyone still feels like they belong, but they're not an 
quote unquote outsider because of those celebrated differences, which is inclusion. Absolutely, Cindy. Michaela Walker, actively seeking people who have different frames of reference from your own, actively guarding against homogeneity, and maybe most importantly, actively listening to their thoughts and ideas to consider how to include them, not just to dispute them. That's a great point. And Alvaro, he loved this question. He says, to me, these words are linked to fairness, justice, and equal opportunities. Vital to be in business these days and to boost the respect in the communities we live and work. Yes. Prakash, there would be no need for topics like this if we were a society that accepts people for whom they are and helps one another for the benefit of the human race. Everyone is equal. John Baglino, community. I want to be a part of grow with and surround myself with people that inspire, be authentic, consistent, and present in your community where whether it is physical or digital. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. Those are some amazing comments and keep them coming. Thank you to everyone who joined us this week and we will see you all plus hopefully more next Wednesday on Let's Talk Supply Chain, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So getting back to today's episode, I think one of the biggest challenges on business owners and supply chain professionals' minds are what changes to make to the manufacturing of their products. Peter Hall a few weeks ago at Forge said, globalization is here to stay, but it will most likely morph into localization, meaning that manufacturing will most likely be widespread and restricted to serve local markets. Here with me today is Ashuk. He is the CEO of Uptown. Tessa to talk about how they are helping companies with those types of decisions, but also how they are supporting those initiatives with their software. So let's learn a little bit more about Ashuk before we get into Abtessa. So Ashuk brings to Abtessa over 20 years of experience in devising optimal solutions to engineering and business problems. Ashuk has developed algorithms that have been implemented in a number of commercially successful products in the areas of optimal optimization, sequencing, and scheduling. Ashuk has been a consultant to many North American and European engineering and networking corporations. He was a research manager at Belcor, now Telcordia, for many years. He has a PhD in electrical engineering from Yale University. So welcome to the show, Ashuk. Thanks, Sarah. Good to be here. Yes, it's always such a pleasure to work with you and the team. Um, We just did a panel discussion a few weeks back, and I've really enjoyed learning about what you guys are doing at Uptessa as far as manufacturing and supply chain. So let's let the audience in on the best kept secret in manufacturing software, and I can't wait. So let's get started with the story. Tell us the story about behind Uptessa. What was the challenge you were originally solving, and how has the company evolved from there? Yeah, so like, uh, I guess, many origin stories, it's uh, quite uh, interesting uh, so as I mentioned to you in a last chat, I was actually nowhere near manufacturing or, uh, you know, uh, supply chain uh, when I started Optessa. Uh, the idea was really my partner, uh, Mr. Vasu Netrakanti, who was uh, a serial entrepreneur and a visionary. And he had already started in five successful companies in the space, wow. manufacturing software. And he saw a need for innovative 
uh, planning and scheduling solutions. Because on one side, he felt it was uh, a very important niche and that it was not being well served. <clears throat> he knew that over the years, working networks had assembled a toolkit of optimization methods that could be used to solve real-world problems. So he contacted me and said, why don't we start Optessa? And um, so I knew very little at that point, but uh, by on manufacturing, but by between the two of us, by mid 2002, we actually had a prototype that could do sequencing. And just when we were wondering what to do with it, um, a major auto EM had just opened an auto plant in, in the US and they were looking for a solution. So they were not bound by any past history. So for, for want of anything better, we threw our hat into the ring. What we mm -hmm. did realize that uh, many other companies also threw their hats in the ring, including <laughs> <laughs> many Fortune 500 companies. <laughs> and there were five of us in all at that point. <laughs> but uh, I should say one great thing about auto OEMs is that they are quite open-minded. Uh, they're very data-driven and they tend to be very objective. So instead of throwing us out because we are that, you know, our size, uh, they, in fact, gave everyone uh, their uh, sequencing problems, their production data, and said, what can you do with this? And we came up with the best sequence, even with our prototype system. And wow. that was uh, far better than anything what the Fortune 500 companies had put together, and we got the business. So that's how we got uh, started. <clears throat> And how have we evolved? Actually, when I think about how how much superior our product is now compared to uh, what it was, you know, it's evolved so much. It's uh, really, I think, very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Uh, but uh, and over the years, we've gone through this exercise of many similar competitive evaluations, proofs of concepts, and we have uh, delivered every time. And uh, but for all our growth, and I think we are now, I would say we're a world-class company, but that scrappiness that was there at the beginning is still very much a part of our DNA. Yeah. We take on these challenges and, and, and try to beat, beat them. Yeah, so. well, and it, um, I love that story, by the way, because you <laughs> saw the need, you built the broto prototype anyways, and then you, and that's kind of fate, right? They were looking <laughs> for your solution and then yeah. you went in there and they decided that they would keep you on to see what you could do and you rose up to the challenge and that's yeah. how the company was really built and those are the kind of stories that really build you know entrepreneurship and tech companies not only in supply yeah. chain but really across the globe and so you've been able yeah. to evolve that and that's yeah. always going to be a part of your dna i mean look at what you did with a prototype so I can only imagine what you're doing now with a full-scale platform. So let's get into that. What exactly do you do with your software? Uh, that's, again, uh, I think, okay, you can answer that at various levels. But let me start with the ELI 5 type level where uh, every business, no, I don't, I don't care what you do, every business has to solve a very basic problem, which yeah. is uh, aligning demand and supply. Unless supply and demand match, they can't be in business. So if you have too much supply, too little demand, you're going to lose money and you'll be out of business. If you have too little supply, too much demand, you're losing business too. You're not uh, selling the way you should. So every company tries to have some match between supply and demand. And manufacturing companies are no different, but they have 
a particularly complicated uh, problem because unlike many other businesses their supply is highly constrained they cannot make anything they want anytime they want wherever they want because they're limited by the capacities of their plants they're limited by labor they're limited by the amount of materials they have they have uh, other supply chain limits to worry about so there it's a highly constrained uh, problem and that's where we come in uh, we essentially help manufacturers answer these three basic questions which is uh, what do i make uh, where do i make and when do i make and uh, we answer these questions not just by pulling some answers out of a hat but right. scientific using optimization methods so they can in fact uh, do it in the most cost effective way for example the most efficient way whatever their business objectives are so that's that's what we do roughly you know that's what we help manufacturers do and good i'm i'm glad that you were able to break that down because i think it's always important for everybody to really understand what you do as a company because not only are you looking for manufacturers to work with but you're also looking to the community to let them know what is out there, what they can be doing. And when they're working with a manufacturer, what is it that they can be doing better to help them in their business, right? Because collaboration Absolutely. is the future of business and we're all going to be working together for that common Absolutely. goal. Right. So let's talk about the discussions leaders are having at the business and supply chain levels about what to do with their manufacturing. I mean, we did talk about this on the panel discussion a few weeks yeah. back. I think mm -hmm. that it's a really big topic of conversation. People are talking about nearshoring, offshoring, glocalization, which was a new word that I learned just a few weeks ago. Um, and so what are the scenarios that your customers are considering right now? So of course so right now the I wouldn't just say the white elephant in the room but, but the blue whale in the room is is the whole pandemic right and and yeah. everything has to start from the scenarios have to start there and uh, I'm sure you've heard all of these uh, uh, Sarah this is whether it's a V shaped or or a U shaped or a W shaped or L shaped and it's a really mind boggling set of uh, different scenarios and I like the answer the New York Times gave the best which is that the only shape you can assign to the current mess is a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nobody really knows whether it's a V shape, a U shape or whatever. And uh, essentially what they're telling us is to be prepared for all of the above, which is really challenging, right? I mean, uh, in so in some sense, all businesses, they have to prepare for these. And what makes it very challenging, as I mentioned before, is unlike past crises, you know where let's say you had a hit on the demand side or you had a demand on the or a hit on the supply side this is the strange situations where there are past uncertainties both on the demand side and supply side and then you have to plan for all of these you know given uh, all these uh, shapes you want to assign <laughs> to the current right. situation so i think every company is struggling to cope with these issues and uh, i think that's where we are um uh, so anyway, but but I think one thing that has brought out is the need for more robust supply chains. I guess we can get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, more robust supply chains. I think, you know, people are looking at technology, um, you know, from a distribution standpoint as well. I think they're considering different things. So they're considering not only diversifying their supplier base, their manufacturers, um, and where they're located. They're also considering um, supporting 
their business in local markets in that local market rather than supporting it from a global manufacturing perspective. And so these are all you know, really, really big questions. And like you said, I really like, yeah, I really liked what you said. Like, it's a huge question mark right now. And I'm sure some of the conversations that you're having with your customers are a little bit all over the place. And they're, they're kind of like, well, what about this scenario? And what about that scenario? So exactly. what are the three major factors that companies need to consider in these discussions and why? Yeah, so I think historically up to this point, I mean, in a way, the, the modern supply chains that people have built up are a thing of thing, something to marvel at, right? But they've been built up with primarily one cost or one one criteria, which is cost. And yeah. uh, they've kept cost exclusion of everything else, and it's worked remarkably well given that. But as you can see, it's exposed us to all kinds of uh, instabilities. So I think they now people need to think or evaluate the supply chain or their plans in, in the context of criteria other than just cost. And, uh, of course, a big factor is the risk. Uh, in, yes. in, uh, and, uh, you know, you can have a most efficient supply chain, but when you have a disruption like this, uh, that could be the ending of your business, right? So uh, you do need to consider uh, risk, certainly one of them, one of the major factors. Uh, the second factor, I guess, would also have to do with flexibility which is mm. now we have to, I think, get into a world where uh, once in a century events seem to be occurring every 10 years. <laughs> and, you know, disaster, black swan events, you know, are becoming pretty common, I would say. And even then, even minor, smaller-scale disruptions with uh, changing climate and, and all that are becoming uh, more serious. So one thing is flexibility. The second factor I would consider is how quickly can I respond to disruptions? How quickly can I... Uh, adjust to hits uh, to my supply chain. And that's where we get into diversification and, and, and maybe globalization, the word that you used, and uh, other strategies. So flexibility is the second term. The third term, which is not that talked about as much, but is, is also very important, is stability. Stability mm -hmm. of your supply chain. Now, um, when you have disruptions, uh, what you don't want is you to seize operations, right? I mean, a critical right. small disruption should not cause you to shut your plants down somewhere. That's an unstable mm -hmm. supply chain. So they also need to uh, consider how do I make my supply chains more stable uh, given all the uncertainties that are going on. So those right. are three big factors I would consider, risk, flexibility, and stability. Yeah, well, and I think you hit it on the nail with um, the flexibility, and I think what people don't quite realize, and correct me if I'm wrong, but data is really going to play a huge role with that, right? Yeah. Because we're going to be able to, with the data, be able to use some predictive analytics to help okay. us be flexible. So it's not just about flexibility and just figuring out how to be flexible. It's about utilizing the technology and the data to help us do that, right? Right, exactly. In fact, there are two aspects to it, right? One is uh, the availability of data. And uh, I think people are finding, surprisingly, that uh, there were vulnerabilities in the supply chain they didn't know about. And right. The visibility to the supply chain extended to, let's say, one or two tiers down, but deep, uh, maybe three levels below that, is a very critical uh, part or supply uh, that, in fact, uh, is quite vulnerable. And if, if something happens to that, you know, seven, level, five levels up, you know, you, you could see problems. 
so i think uh, getting data and getting visibility and uh, is is uh, i think going to be big but just getting data by itself is no use you have to do right. something with the data and that is the second part that's where predictive analytics like the stuff that we do uh, i think uh, is essential so you need both you need you need data and you need the analytics to come up with actionable uh, outcomes so they can do something yeah so you can be more proactive rather than reactive which is exactly. what what we've seen in the recent months exactly exactly yeah so in our panel discussion, Michael A. Struble asked, how do you manage the local versus international supply chain challenge? You know, I'm thinking about how you decide what the acceptable trade-offs are using a local supply compared to an international offshore supply chain. And again, we're still talking about those questions and, and things to be considered because I think, you know, this is a topic. This is the these are the discussions that are having being had in boardrooms everywhere. And I think really Uptessa is, you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, is the one to be able to, you know, sit down with your customer and really help them look into the future and what that looks like for their supply chains and how they can really juggle this. Right. And I think that the key word that you mentioned, Sarah, is uh, trade-offs. Yeah. How do you how do you uh, reconcile? Uh, you know, just earlier we talked about cost and risk and flexibility and stability, and uh, sometimes all of these are counter to each other, right? I mean, the lowest cost could be the riskiest. So how do you do these trade offs? And interestingly enough, the, the science of trade offs is optimization. That is what optimization does. It I allows did not you. Know. Yeah, it's it. All it does is 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 achieve the right balance for you. That is what the whole science and mathematics optimization is, which is, of course, in our name as a company. And, uh, you know, most people can deal with, with one objective, maybe two objectives. But when you start piling on objectives, when you have a high, very high-dimension set of objectives, uh, trying to balance four, five, six, seven factors, uh, it's impossible for any human being to do this. And that's where I think this optimization tools like ours come in. What mm -hmm. we do is we encode or we're able to model all the different aspects of your operation <clears throat> in a realistic manner. And then it'll tell you, given your comfort level, your priorities, the, 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 the best trade-off uh, that will achieve what you're looking for. And uh, there's no one universal answer for everybody, just like you know, um, in investment, Everyone has their own risk-reward uh, uh, profile they're comfortable with. Uh, likewise, here, I can understand every company needing to evolve their own uh, trade-off that they're comfortable with, their shareholders are comfortable with, their stakeholders are comfortable with. And that's what we help them do. Uh, tools like ours, in fact, help uh, balance these various trade-offs and then come up with the best uh, so, uh, solution that's right for you. Yeah, and, and you're right, because I think with every business, it's going to be different. Every business is in different markets. They're successful in different markets. And what that looks like for them um, 
is really going to determine how they can move forward. I mean, yeah. we also have to take in consideration landed costs, right? So if you move yeah. your manufacturing from China to Vietnam and you're in the States or you're in Canada, and uh, but your landed costs are potentially going to change depending on the free trade agreements or not that we have with yeah. Vietnam or what those duty rates are on your particular product, et cetera, et cetera. So there's just, there's so much to be considered, but it's nice know that Abtessa has the software to be able to put the data in and come up with the different scenarios to give them the solution and what that's going to mean for their business, right? And you brought up a really good point. You, you were talking about the name. How did you come up with the name Abtessa? Again, uh, all credit to my, my, my partner and co-founder, Vasu. Uh, so our original name was actually NetApps. N-E-T-A-P-S, we had A-P-S in our name, and his first three letters of his name was N-E-T. We thought that was a nice name, and we were also uh, software as a service on the network. But it turned out there's another company with a very similar name, NetApps, with, with two Ps. So uh-huh. we, we were certainly getting all kind of inquiries about databases and whether we could supply databases and storage area networks. And we suspected they were getting calls for A-P-S software. So... <laughs> So we didn't think that was a good situation. So then my partner, he anyway, he wanted something which said optimization, and he wanted mm-hmm. to have, say, something which said scheduling and sequencing applications. And he kind of put it together and came with Optessa. So that, that's where we are. I love it. But, I love yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 it captures who we are. It tells exactly who, what we do and who we are and how we do it. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. So um, just recently, on July 1st, the USMCA came into play. Um, It's not something that we talked about on the panel discussion. It was something I think that kind of came in that everybody wasn't really thinking about because of what's been happening with COVID and the pandemic and things like that. But I want to ask you, you know, what will the, what will, what effect will the USMCA have on local manufacturing versus offshore when we're talking about these different scenarios? Right. So one thing, of course, it's good. There is a USMCA or some equivalent like that, right? I mean, it's, it's good because, uh, over the years, uh, between NAFTA and so on, uh, for example, the auto industries have become highly integrated across uh, North America. And uh, if, if an agreement had not been in place, uh, it could have been quite disruptive, <clears throat> taken a while for things to catch up. <clears throat> so from what my understanding of uh, USMCA is that, in effect, they, they kind of redefine what local is. Yeah. In, in a way, so by local, we're now, we're now referring to all of North America. Right, because the, the governing region is North America, and uh, there are certain provisions which certainly are are interesting. Like they've increased the percentage of North American content from sixty two point five percent to seventy five percent. So you'd think that would see uh, more of the manufacturing uh, be local to North America. That's a good thing. And then there was also, of course, environmental protections, but there are also rules regarding wages and the content of a car tied to that. So that could also be quite salutary, I think. Um, it could uh, <clears throat> both keep more jobs in the U.S. and also maybe raise uh, wages and uh, environmental standards elsewhere. So I think uh, from what I've seen, uh, most people are generally pleased with the USMCA, uh, both business groups and labor groups and uh, President Trump and Speaker Pelosi. So <laughs> given all of that, I think it, it, it's a good thing. 
Uh, now, in terms of actual impact on how much manufacturing would move to the U.S., for example, and how many more jobs it would create, uh, the U.S. government statistics themselves are not, you know, they're a little, uh, on, on, I would say, a little cautious maybe, <clears throat> because they're talking about uh, 176,000 jobs over six years. Now, that's mm-hmm. the number of jobs we create every month, right. in, in normal times, that is. Uh, and so I don't know if the impact <clears throat> in terms of moving a lot of manufacturing here is going to be that significant, but we'll have to wait and see think, uh, how things turn out. Yeah, and it's going to take a little time, right? I mean, as as businesses and organizations try to figure out where their supply chains are going to lie and what that looks like, it's not going to be an overnight move. So we've... Yeah, so we've talked a lot about what you do at Uptessa and, you know, a lot about the manufacturing and the different discussions that are happening. But I want to know, paint us a picture and give us a real-life example of how your software has helped one of your customers. So when they came to you, I mean, you told us in the beginning, you know, the OEM, but you have to have another one. You know, what was their challenge? What did they come to you with? What was the solution you provided? And what was the benefit uh, maybe in, in time or money? Yeah, so of course, there's so many examples now, you know, so it's just like I'd like to go through a list and if, again, how much time do you have, right? I can keep you all, <laughs> all afternoon and so on. But uh, I'll focus on one thing because it's uh, a rather unique, it showcases a rather unique capability that we have. So uh, one the, the problem they're trying to solve is uh, material or uh, supply chain stability or material stability, as it's called. And this is uh, a problem that has uh, bedeviled supply chains for a while, which is that, uh, let's say a top-level manufacturer, a top-tier manufacturer, uh, makes a plan or a schedule. If they then share with their suppliers, who share with their suppliers, and all the way down the supply chain. But, you know, in the real world, the moment you make a plan, things change. And yes, they do. <laughs> We plan. I mean, but that's my life, by the way, story of my life, but also a story of many companies' lives, which is that they need to constantly replan and reschedule. And when you do that, you know, small changes at a top tier manufacturer uh, get amplified as it goes down the supply chain. And their suppliers see a bigger, you know, uh, oscillation and then down line. And it's like the bullwhip, right? You kind of crack the whip on one side and the tip is moving all over the place which is the fate of uh, lower tier uh, suppliers. You know, they are constantly dealing with you know, massive changes in, in what they have to deliver and when they have to deliver. <clears throat> and so that, and these kind of instabilities do add a lot of cost to the supply chain because there's no pocket science here. You have to have massive inventories to cope with these kind of fluctuations. <clears throat> so uh, what we did was, now what unique capability that we have is that when you need to replan we can take into account uh, the changes that have necessitated the replan while minimizing changes to the existing plan. So an example was uh, this uh, company had, let's say, 9,000 orders they needed to deliver in a given time period, and then things changed. Then they found out with their legacy system that 1,200 change points. That means the 1,200 places where to modify the schedule and tell the suppliers and so on. And we took the same data set and we regenerated uh, a schedule where there were only 300 change points. We reduced the number of change points from 1,200 to 300, factor four. And uh, then the company then did the evaluation and said, how much does this save us? 
and they found out that uh, the saving just from this this kind of uh, enhancement was enough to not only pay for our software but to pay for an entire order fulfillment software suite so uh, that's the scale of benefits you can get by stabilizing your supply chain and this is something that we were able to show and it's a very unique capability of the system that we're able to preserve this kind of stability so that was well, a big win for us yeah yeah and it sounds like you're you're also customizing to the challenge that they have at the time uh, it's not customizing in the sense that we don't have to develop new software right uh, the, what we do as I said is a core is an optimization technology which is highly very generic and parametric uh and what we are telling the optimization system or our system is that this is the trade off they're interested in they want to stabilize the supply chain and that gets expressed as some kind of constraint that our system tries to solve and you can have a different constraint for example you might want to maximize throughput you might want to maximize on time delivery you could have any kind of objective all that is completely parametric in our system you don't have to do any custom coding you can just express that as another constraint that system understands and it'll go ahead and do it it's like uh, yeah so i think uh, it's very flexible in that way and you can support a variety of uh, business objectives and this is one thing i'm pleased about because i think almost no one that i'm aware of uh, has this capability of of uh, you know this kind of maintaining bias or maintaining stability in your, in your supply chain I really like that. No, I was just taking notes from what you were talking about because I like the word stabilize. I don't think we're hearing that enough in supply chain content, right? We're hearing resiliency, we're hearing agility, but I really like that word stabilize. So as a supply chain professional, what questions am I asking myself when I should be considering picking up the phone and calling up Tessa? Like who is your ideal client? Uh, okay. So one thing, the first thing I would uh, I, I can give you a, a series of questions. One question is they ask themselves, "Do I have a state-of-the-art APS system?" Uh, if the answer is no, for example, if they're still doing their planning and scheduling using spreadsheets, then please call us, and we'll show you the any number of ways that we can uh, save you money. Uh, other question is, "Am I meeting all my manufacturing and supply chain KPIs?" For example. Am I maintaining my throughputs? Am I maintaining on-time delivery? Again, if the answer is no, please call us, because there are again countless use cases where uh, we have helped customers improve on-time delivery. We have increased throughputs, all without any additional capital expenditures. Just using software and being smarter, cleverer in planning and scheduling. So that's the second case. Please call us if you're not meeting your manufacturing KPIs. The third thing is. Uh, ask yourself: Do I have flexible? Do I have the flexibility to handle disruptions in my supply mm-hmm. chain? Uh, very often, the planning and scheduling cycles take so long that they're not able to react. And if you're not able to react, please call us because we are able to quickly plan and replan and reschedule uh, in the, the 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 time it takes to react to these uh, disruptions and changes. Uh, the fourth thing I would say is: If you are planning your digitalization uh, transformation if you're going getting towards industry 4.0 and your intelligent supply chain of the future and if planning and scheduling is not part of your plans then do call us because we think that 
planning and scheduling or the next generation planning and scheduling is the pillar of industry 4.0 and unless you have it in your plans you're not going to realize the benefits of uh, digitalization or any of your digitalization uh, initiatives so <clears throat> and uh, any other reasons but uh, if you're not sure about what planning and scheduling can do for you please call us and again you know we will help them out now in terms of who an ideal customer would be uh, like any like sophisticated uh, you know uh, analytic based tool we need data right without uh, this is belongs to a class of systems known as gigo or garbage in garbage out yeah uh, <laughs> you do need good quality data and it's not a data huge volumes but there is certain critical data that you need to feed our system uh, for example of most obviously you need to know what your demands are uh, you need to know what your capacities are and you need to be able to characterize your manufacturing environment that you know where your your constraints are if you had these things that's sufficient for us to to set up uh the that's the, on the output side we can generate the best plans and schedules and ideal customer will be able to execute them that they can take our plans and schedules and actually follow them if they is can do that then i think it'll be a win win yeah sure sorry. sorry is there a particular industry that you're focused on that should be calling you no actually uh so i i have this notion of uh, three uh fees um which i think uh, one thing is volume right any industry that that deals in volume secondly any industry that deals with variety right okay uh, and and uh, so 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 that would be and the third thing is value the items that you make may have value so if any two out of these three are true uh then you definitely we can help you Uh, so when I talk, yeah when i talk about volume right i mean uh, uh, of course you can make a high volume paper clips for example which is very good an audible business no doubt but you may not get a value out of our system but if you look at uh, aerospace if you look at automotive uh, if you look at um, heavy equipment if you look at semiconductors you know industry after industry we're characterized by these three v's uh, volume variety and value and i think we can deliver uh, significant savings and benefits to companies with these characteristics perfect perfect and that aligns with your core values right your core values are those three v's and if right. they're aligned with those as well then they know that you're you're the partner for them so i want to talk about the future of the company what's next for optessa so in fact i was just riffing a bit on industry 40 and and you know Uh, so I'm as excited as uh, the next company, I guess, in terms of the potential for this. On, I wouldn't say it's the next industrial revolution; it's an ongoing industrial revolution. And uh, if you think about how ten different technologies have come together to make this opportunity, and I think we live in very exciting times. And I see this even in the pandemic, grim times as they are, um, in a way, there's an opportunity. And I think you will see an acceleration towards greater automation. and a greater in- incorporation of these tools and uh, so we are up there you know we are investing heavily in uh, r&d to come up with the next generation of planning and scheduling systems uh, that can operate autonomously we incorporating uh, in addition to all our ai and uh, optimization techniques we already have we incorporating all ability to handle large data you know cloud computing and uh, we really um, very excited with what i call planning and scheduling 4.0 which is really going to enable industry 4.0 and that i think is going to be our future and we are increasingly going to get away from let's say enterprise 
offline systems to implant execution systems. And we're going to bridge that gap. And then I think you're going to see huge jumps in efficiencies and, and value in people's supply chains. So we're excited wow. about that. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what happens next for Uptessa and uh, what you guys are, are planning to do. I mean, this this industry 4.0 and really getting involved with that is going to take us to the next level in supply chain. So globalization, I have been told, is not a new term, but could be the for the future of supply chains as leaders navigate through the options and change their business models it could mean that instead of manufacturing supporting a global supply chain it could mean that several manufacturing locations will serve local markets and you will need technology and a team behind it to help you navigate the options and help manage the flow Uptessa can definitely be your partner in that journey so for more information about this episode Ashuk and Uptessa, please visit their website at uptessa.com. That's O-P-T-E-S-S-A.com. You can also visit letstalksupplychain.com under podcasts. This is going to be episode 129. Thank you to John at the team at Uptessa for helping to make this episode happen and to Ashuk for coming on the show today and sharing all of your insights with us. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you like this episode, please visit podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com and search the category option to find guests and companies in supply chain that you are looking for. So back in June, you heard about Tive in the ads at the beginning of our show. And next week, they are here to tell us more about what they are doing in supply chain. And it is amazing. You do not want to miss out on that episode. So stay tuned for more information next week. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn. Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube, the SC Supply Chain TV, and subscribe to the podcast, Let's Talk Supply Chain, wherever you subscribe and listen to podcasts. Next, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. Visit and sign up. We are looking for mid-market shippers and freight forwarders who want to get together and make the world of logistics a much better place place. Go and check it out. That's ships.com, S-H-I-P-Z.com. Next, over under shop at letstalksupplychain.com, we have some merch for the supply chain professional, procurement professional, logistics professional in your life. You are going to love it. We've also got some inspirational merch over there too. So go and check that out. We've, we, we also have a supply chain dictionary, 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you will need to succeed in your supply chain career. Lastly, 
go and rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts and we will feature you on an upcoming episode. That's right. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think of the show and we will feature you on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.